Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Sharon is a 61-year-old female here for her annual exam. On her review of systems, she says she's miserable, especially when you discuss some of her GYN complaints. You stop and ask her to explain, and she talks about pain with sexual activity as well as constant discomfort. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Director of Nurse Practitioner Programs at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. So um, I feel bad for Sharon. She's like many women in my practice, but I guess I don't really know too much about how common vaginal symptoms are postmenopausally. Can you talk a little bit about who gets these symptoms and how frequently they occur? Sure. So they're pretty common. So if you look at an age range of women between the ages of 40 and 75, depending on when they go through menopause, whether it's premenopause or whatever, um, about 50% of the, this population has vaginal complaints that could include dryness, itchiness, pain with intercourse, and really just you know, a daily occurrence of not feeling well a decreased quality of life. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. When you think about 50% of women, that's, that's every other woman in our practice in the postmenopausal range. Well, it seems that there's more than a large number of products available at your local pharmacy to address uh, postmenopausal vaginal symptoms. What do we know about them? What's, what are the options, uh, and, and how should we think about them? So there are a lot of options. So, and they range from prescriptive to non-prescriptive, right? So, um, first is, you know, hormone replacement therapy, um, which is, you know, really you got to weigh risks and benefits, whether it's topical or oral. There's uh, a vast array of lubricants and over-the-counter products that have many ingredients to very few ingredients to, that treat vaginal symptoms, vaginal dryness in, in particular. Okay, so um, you brought up a really good point about the oral hormone replacements and some of the risks and benefits. Tell me a little bit about what we know about best management of patients. Um, what, what are our topical options and, and what, which ones work best? Okay, so there was a recent trial that just came out that looked at three different products. One was low-dose estrogen, one was a vaginal moisturizer, and the other was placebo. And they did it in about 300 women over 12 weeks. And these were women that had moderate to severe postmenopausal vaginal symptoms. And they measured this on the most bothersome symptom scale. They did a lot of other measurements as well. But what they did is um, they had a great completion rate. And what they found is that no matter what they used, they all had a decrease in their symptoms, particularly vaginal dryness, vaginal irritation, and pain with intercourse. So the estrogen was no better than the placebo or the moisturizer? Correct. Wow. I didn't expect that. I know. So 
it's a really interesting area. There is uh, a lot of um, data that's recently come out. Um, and actually, if you go to the website, you will see that I'll have a paper on there that talks about the myriad of products that have many ingredients all the way down to a water-based product that you have as options for your patients. Okay, so um, this paper really helps us decide that we don't necessarily have to use something that's hormonally active. What are we going to tell Sharon today? What, how do you pick a place to start, and how do you uh, follow up with this? Well, first of all, I want to thank Sharon for being so candid about about her pain and about her problems with her vaginal dryness and itchiness because it's really a quality of life problem. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to say is how long has this been going on? Have you tried anything before? If you tried it, did it work? Did it help? And, and get into a discussion about what the options are for it. How about you personally? Who, what would you recommend first for Sharon? I mean, I think if she hasn't tried anything, I'd just try an over-the-counter lubricant. Um, and see if that helps at all. I mean, there, you know, one of the study drugs was something that you could use for two weeks and then three times a week that has a biofilm. And, you know, it's really going to be what's going to help the patient most. So I'd start with the least and, and, and work my way up from there to see what's going to give her relief. Wow, I think this is really remarkable, Jill. Uh, I think we've long since gone to hormones, either orally or topically first, and then looked for alternatives. This is, this is a practice changer, and I think you're absolutely right. We should go with whatever's probably the least number of ingredients and you know, see how she tolerates it, and then, and then uh, go ahead from there. Would you recommend she only use it before sexual activity, or would you recommend she use something every day? I think she's going to have to figure out what relieves her symptoms the most. Because the other thing that goes along with this is the messiness factor. These gels and these lubricants, you know, they can be messy. So maybe putting them in at night, showering before you go to work in the morning, if that's your schedule, and does that give her relief? Does she need to use it every day, or is three days a week going to work? And so, I mean, it's, it's making that dance with your patients to see, you know, what, how's it working for you? And that you're going to have to have some trial and error with it. And I think probably the biggest thing is is that um, as providers, we have to be proactive and sensitive to this. It's, it's, it's asking the question. People don't always check off the box. And so, you know, it's talking about sexual health. I don't think we talk about it enough. And it's a really big quality of life factor. Especially when you're telling us that 50% of women in the postmenopausal age group suffer some of these symptoms. Well, Jill, thanks so much. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Vulvovaginal symptoms are common in postmenopausal women. Ask about sexual health and symptoms that could alter the patient's quality of life. Join us next time when we talk about the influence of Tai Chi versus conventional exercise on reducing the fall risk in seniors. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.